0: is only seven dollars per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello, hello, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. We're nearing the end of Women's History Month, but before it passes, I wanted to honor it with an episode. Today, we're going to have a conversation about the divine feminine and the womb. This is something that applies to my masculine friends, too. Everyone has some degree of divine feminine energy in them, and everyone has a very powerful, energetic womb, whether you have a physical womb or not. We'll also be discussing tapping into the cycles of our bodies. For those with ovaries, this will be around your menstrual cycle and going into menopause. For those without, this can be in conjunction with the moon cycle. We have a lot of good stuff to get into today. Here we go. First off, Sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. I've had a lot of life changes happen this year, which I'll probably go into a little bit next episode. So I've been getting a bit pulled out of balance lately and just need to put things on hold to re-stabilize sometimes. This is a doozy of a year and we are collectively going through a lot of good, much needed transformation, but sometimes it requires taking a pause and focusing inward, which is part of what we're discussing today. Also, before I forget, because I keep forgetting, I've had a few people reach out asking how they can support my podcast, which I honestly appreciate so much. Thank you. I had one listener recommend making a Buy Me a Coffee page, so I've created one. If you ever feel so inclined and would like to buy me a coffee, the link will be in all of the episode descriptions. Other than that, giving the podcast a five-star review helps so much, unlike YouTube, which has... View counts to point you to a good video. Podcasts rely solely on ratings and reviews. So, yeah, that'll help so much to help this podcast reach people that perhaps could benefit from it. Um, you can give me a follow on Instagram at Channel with Amber or even book a session if you feel so inclined. <laughs> I am so grateful for your support this past year. This has been such a fun fulfilling journey. And I have met so many wonderful people through this. So shout out to you. I have so much love and appreciation for you. Thank you. Seriously. All right, moving on. So focusing on the topic, the divine feminine. As I talk about feminine and masculine, just FYI, I am not talking about gender, this is specifically talking about the energy which spans way beyond concepts of gender, so just something to keep in mind. Looking at ancient Chinese philosophy, yin and yang, feminine and masculine, are considered to be at the framework of everything. Neither can exist without the other, and despite their seemingly opposing natures, they're actually interconnected and complementary. Yin is the feminine, and yang is the masculine. The divine feminine is nurturing, grounded, compassionate, wise, gentle, yet also fierce, sensual, patient, intuitive, healing. It is night, cold, water, soft, darkness. It is sitting within your inner knowing and operating in a place of allowing. Knowing what you want is inevitable. The focus is internal. It is receptive. Yang, the divine masculine, is is competitive, protective, logical, in the present moment, creative, ready to grow. It is day, heat, fire, hard, bright. It is expansive and all about taking action. The focus is more external. Neither one is remotely good or bad. They just are. But oversaturation of one can cause some serious imbalance. You have to be in action and rest. You have to give and receive. When we strike a balance. We feel fulfilled, excited, and are integrating the whole of our being. When we don't strike balance between these two forces, we feel empty, lost, unfulfilled. We lose touch with who we are. So finding that masculine-feminine balance in us, and again, every person is different, and the balance, or the way balance looks, will be different for everybody. But when you hit that, it creates such beautiful harmony. Going back to Chinese philosophy, if we compare Confucianism and Taoism, Confucianism is more on the Yang side of things, so it's more masculine, it's fairly outwardly focused, following rules, doing your duty, making the appropriate decisions, and pays no attention to spirituality or intuition. Taoism came about shortly after with a much heavier focus on the yin to offset the saturated yang of Confucianism. It was much more focused on the inner self and spirituality. It challenges you to detach from social constructs, go to nature, and do what comes naturally. The goal was to bring in some saturated yin energy into society to bring harmony and balance to society. While these practices may outwardly seem in opposition... There's a lot of similarity, and they together made their way into Chinese culture. The goal is to strike a balance between masculine and feminine. Both forces are critical to living a peaceful, balanced life. So again, it's not about one or the other. It's about finding balance in all areas that you can. Our society is very male-dominated, so just as how Taoism came about, it may take a bit more focus and emphasis on the feminine right now to find your perfect balance just because we've been sitting in masculinity for so long. Obviously, that's not the case for everybody, but for many of us. We'll be talking about a lot today, so take what you need to the degree you feel necessary, listen to your intuition, yada yada. (laughs) I'm gonna list off a bunch of ways to connect to the divine feminine. One way to do it is to begin operating from your heart chakra. This is where we feel love, comfort, connection, happiness. It also bridges our physical and energetic planes of existence. Listen to and honor your heart more. Open your heart to others, view the good in others. Three times a day, envision a light glowing in the center of your chest where your heart chakra is. Feel and see it expand and open up to the space around you, projecting beautiful green or pink loving healing light on everything. Rather than operating from that logical inaction mind constantly, find some balance. Prioritize yourself over societal requirements. So prioritize self-care, self-love, self-compassion. I just did a whole episode on this. Meet yourself where you are, support yourself as needed, and give yourself grace. Go outside and spend some time with nature. Experience the freedom of the untamed plants, freedom of the animals, the wild growth everywhere. Ground yourself into mother nature to connect to that healing, nurturing energy of the divine feminine. Create an intuitive practice. Meditate and ground in the mornings. Meditate before bed. Journal automatic write, Connect to your dreams. Speak to and connect with your guides. You can create a sacred space in a room or a corner of your room that you fill with things that bring in feelings of peace, comfort, connectedness, high frequencies, stuff, you know, all that good stuff. You can do a quick Google search if you like. There are plenty of ideas that you can find on Pinterest and stuff. If you're a coffee drinker or a tea drinker, perhaps do so outside in the morning sunshine just to kind of reflect and connect to the space around you and the little beings around. Dancing is an incredible one as well. Sensual dancing, you can do something to kind of connect to your hips. You can get into vogue dancing or whacking. Those are all very feminine and fun and celebrating that. Uh, But any type of creative dance, honestly. Just play a music, play a song you like, and and groove. Do you. (laughs) Do some shadow work. I also have an episode on beginning this exploration. Explore what parts you have pushed away, what parts of you you are ashamed of, what parts you don't like, what parts scare you or make you uncomfortable. Why do they make you feel that way? How can you give those parts of you love? Through love and compassion, you begin to bring in parts of the divine feminine that you were perhaps taught were bad and needed to go. Again, we are in a very masculine-dominated society, so feminine qualities are often labeled as emotional, crazy, bossy, weak, etc. Have the courage to rewire that to see the power in the feminine. Again, masculine and feminine energy complement each other. It is not a fight, but a strive for balance. Tune into your body. Do a scan meditation or self-massage. Our body is an extension of our energy. It is where our thoughts and emotions become physical. Connecting to that space allows you to connect to yourself and your true nature. Start your day asking who you are and what you want. What feels good today? Honor that. Then as you go about your day, continue to check in with yourself. What do you want? What does your body and heart want in that moment? connect to your sensuality, fill your senses with things that you enjoy, whether the smell of a certain candle, decorating with patterns and colors you enjoy, rearranging your room to how you like, eating food you truly enjoy the flavor of, savor every little bit of it, etc. Honor your emotions. For a long time, emotions were not something very respected in society, especially like the business world, professional world, you know. I know Personally, my great-grandparents and even my grandparents were all about, like, fighting and sucking things up. Strength was holding in emotions, not crying, not being a wussy or whatever. I know for my parents' generation, that kind of started to unwind a little bit. My dad is a very emotional man. I feel like both of my parents, like, my dad sometimes feels more feminine than my mom. My mom can feel more masculine. (laughs) They're a very interesting balance. Um which was very beneficial for me, I feel like, growing up with that. Emotions are information. They tell us if the energy of a situation or person is in alignment with us. They tell us what areas we need to work on. They guide us to well-being. They are our greatest teachers. (laughs) Holding them in makes us at the mercy of them. To use them, get to know them, and connect to their biggest potential. We must feel Let them float away, then take responsive action to fulfill what it is you need in the moment. Let it out creatively, let it motivate you to do something, explore what it has to teach you. Gently claim your power. Lao Tzu, a famous ancient Chinese philosopher of Taoism, is credited with the quote, Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. The divine feminine attracts energy and effortlessly invites it in. It just is naturally kind of in movement with itself. It is just, it just works out how it needs to, you know? Claim your space and your energy knowing all is perfect and you are worthy of the best. So same thing. Just be what you want. Honor that. Take inspired action and everything will get accomplished. You don't need to rush or fight for it. Give yourself the freedom to redefine what femininity means to you. Socially, we are trained early on to correlate feminine with womanly things like makeup, high heels, lipstick, motherhood, perfume, shaving your legs even. Periods. (laughs) This is changing a lot, but again, it expands far beyond that. Everything has some sort of feminine quality to it. Going with that, it may be worth reflecting upon what definitions of femininity don't feel good to you and which ones do. How feminine energy manifests itself in everyone will be different, so don't be afraid to explore and even try different traits on for size. You can also do this with masculinity. What does it mean to you? How can you honor it in a way that feels good? For my masculine friends, embracing femininity doesn't mean rejecting or releasing your masculinity. As I talked about, it's all about balance. I cannot say that enough. (laughs) Connecting to femininity allows you to fully stand in your power and in your being. It connects you to your body and intuition. I'm assuming if you're here listening to this podcast, there is some sort of curiosity about intuition and spirituality. So, boom, best way to do that, connect to your femininity. It also creates more self-confidence and improves self-esteem. It improves relationships and overall mental emotional well-being will improve as well. So a lot that that feminine divine energy can offer you. Male suicide rates, strictly looking at male and female, because I know obviously the LGBTQ community unfortunately bypasses all of these rates, but male suicide rates are much higher than women ones, women, female ones. Perhaps partly because there is a push to push down emotions and be strong and fierce and independent always. Many feel uncomfortable being vulnerable and opening up, but it will ultimately allow you to make profound, deep connections. It allows you to be in command of your emotions, taking responsive action rather than being at the command of them, taking reactive action. Going with that, it's also important that those that are more feminine to be open to fostering in an environment where more masculine people can explore their femininity. No judgment, just meeting them where they are. For some people, this can actually be really difficult, especially when someone they view as strong begins melting into emotions and explorations that they didn't before. So... You may have to do your own personal work there, but just be mindful, you know, as people begin kind of coming into that state of being, it's very vulnerable and it will require um, some ease and support on the other side as well. Now to switch gears to the womb. I had a conversation with a client of mine who I've been training about how people with uteruses and ovaries are often very disconnected from them. Many seem to feel very much at the mercy of that whole area, like it has a mind of its own and we just kind of have to deal with it. We may only think about that area when we're trying to get pregnant, when we get cramps, when we're on our period, or if there's some sort of health issue going on, all of which are associated not always with the best feelings. It's usually like stress, distrust, or disconnection. It's, It's not usually just viewed with love at various points of the day. For my friends born without a uterus, a majority of you probably don't even think about your womb, (laughs) but it's there. We all have an energetic womb that overlaps where the physical one is, so I wanted to open up that connection to shed light on the magic it holds. Drawing upon the concept of chi or ki or life force energy, all the same thing, there is a place in the womb about two fingers below the belly button and a few fingers In, above the perineum, so more in the center of your body, that is considered to be the place from which our life force energy flows. In Chinese, this place is called the Lower Dantian. In Japanese, I believe it's called the Hara. So right off that bat, that should tell you how powerful a part the womb is for us. We've got literally the source of our life force energy (laughs) within it. Connecting to this lower dantian helps rejuvenate your energy systems, helps with your body's functioning, helps us feel calmer, less stressed, happier, uh, just as other breathing or meditative practices do, but it helps really kind of nourish your field since you're connecting and expanding that place of pure, good life force energy, that healthy stuff. To begin opening up to this little area, there's a visualization slash breathing exercise you can do. Sit down, feet on the floor, spine nice and erect. Put your hands on that point. So again, about two fingers below your belly button. Imagine your Dantian as a golden spongy light and as you inhale and exhale just keep visualizing and feeling the sensations of this pure ball of light that's within you. The purpose of this is to become mindful of it and experience its energy and the sensations it brings. A regular five-minute practice of this is a great way to really kind of begin uh, tapping into that energy. You can do it perhaps once a week if necessary, or a couple times a week, whatever you need. But the more that you kind of connect to it and harness that power, the more rejuvenated you'll feel, the more that you will feel in touch with it and just, you, you can feel it. Our womb is a gateway to our history, our ancestors, and our future. The womb is also a powerful bridge of the physical and energetic. It's life and death. It is where souls come into the physical world and where we begin planting seeds for what we truly want to also come into the physical world. In Chinese medicine, our life force energy is considered a masculine force and blood is considered a feminine one. So looking at people that menstruate, especially, this is a great example of how these forces are complementary and tied together. They're both an active part of the womb. I'm going to kind of leave this concept here and we're just going to kind of move forward focusing on the divine feminine since I want to put more attention on that. So um, just keep in mind that everything is very much interconnected, but I'm kind of going to be tapping into the feminine as a whole kind of watered down thing rather than going into the nitty gritty of it. To begin connecting with your womb and using it, you can simply place your hands over it and breathe. Again, very similar to the Dantian point. Imagine your womb as a glowing ball of light. As you breathe, imagine it growing in power and energy. See its light fill your body and slowly grow to encompass you so that you're sitting within its energy. You can set an intention to call upon your ancestors to gain their help or guidance in some way. You can just sit in it and become familiar with it. You can set goals for yourself or intentions of things you'd like to accomplish, visualizing that energy, planting into the nurturing energy of your womb to grow and come into the physical. You can also get in touch with a monthly practice to stay connected to it, its wisdom, its guidance, and its power, which we will talk about. That kind of goes into menstruation or your body's own cycles, sometimes correlated with the moon phases, if you don't menstruate. First things first, we need to have a conversation about periods. I just ask that you proceed forth from this point on with an open mind. Period and period blood are taboo and have been for a pretty long time, I feel like, in many, especially Western cultures. In movies, women are shown to be cranky, emotional, whiny, and tired when they're on their period. Period blood itself is often viewed with disgust and is censored. It's like gross and dirty and just, it's like poop or something. It took a while for period products to be shown with actual red liquid to portray menstrual blood in commercials. For a long time, a different colored liquid was used. For some religions, even, it is viewed as unclean and you must avoid certain things and activities and stuff like that. For a long time, reusable period things such as menstrual cups or cloth pads were viewed with disgust. They have grown in popularity a lot recently as I feel like social taboos are really beginning to be challenged right now, which is phenomenal. There's also a pink tax. Pain medications specifically for menstrual discomfort are marked up a lot in comparison to other pain relief medications. And when you look at the ingredients list, they're usually identical, which is absolute BS. (laughs) So they're just rebranded and marked with a higher price because it's pink and it's for feminine things. (laughs) Many families don't talk about it. I believe my mom didn't even know what a period was until she started hers. Previous partners of mine often knew very little about it. A few months ago, my current partner was on the phone with his family who asked how I was, and he said, Oh, Amber's good. She's on her period right now, so is a little tired. To which they reacted, shocked, expressing that it was way TMI, (laughs) which surprised him. (laughs) We bleed for a good chunk of our life, so it's strange how weird society is with menstruation. On the flip side, there are... Cultures and religions that celebrate menstruation and see it as a very deeply spiritual divine thing. In ancient civilizations, menstruation and period blood were associated with magic and saw women to be very powerful and in tune with their intuition during menstruation. They were viewed very much as like sorcerers and stuff during this time of the month. They would drink period blood due to the association with magic. They would fertilize earth with it, rub it into wounds, put it on third eye. There were many cultures that did various practices to kind of honor it and use it. It was just all in all a much different approach. <laughs> I'm going to go into story time real quick, but there's purpose for this. I luckily grew up in a family that was very open about menstruating. When I got my first period, my mom made me a little red and black jewelry set to symbolize my first blood and we had a little celebration. That's not to say my first period was fully joyous. It hurt. My blood sugar tanked, making me very weak. I was dizzy, I was nauseous, it grossed me out. It was a shock to the system. It was not fun. I was excited, I don't know. I was, I don't know if other kids felt this way, but I was excited and eager to start my period. It felt like this like magical rite of passage but then when it happened I was like screw that. (laughs) Very much right off the bat I had in mind that periods were painful and annoying and you would bleed through your pants and they were embarrassing and so on and that's just how I experienced them since. Partly due to my sexual abuse, I felt very disconnected from that part of my body and paid very little attention to my uterus and ovaries. After I became sexually active, my cramps got incredibly worse. I always felt like I was fighting my uterus and ovaries and never gave them time a day to actually sit and get to know them and what they needed. I would just turn to external band-aid fixes rather than listening to my body. Things escalated to the point where I would be throwing up and completely non-functioning due to the pain from my periods. I would have to leave work and just sleep. I would just be crying there with a heating pad as I prayed that my pain medication would relieve just a sliver of the excruciating pain I was feeling. I have never felt pain that severe before. It was really bad and I was actually concerned that I had like endometriosis or something because it was not normal. Due to my sexual abuse, I was nervous about going to see a gynecologist and having a stranger all up inside of me, so I kept putting it off and just sort of dealed with the pain. After a few years, I started using a menstrual cup, which completely changed the way I interacted with my period because you are in direct contact with your blood which allowed me to kind of begin easing into a deeper relationship with my body since I wasn't viewing it as such a gross thing that I needed to remain clean from. Naturally, this eased my cramps a bit and completely changed my period experience. It made it so much easier and more manageable. I kind of, like, looked forward to it, surprisingly. A couple years after that, I finally decided to go to a gynecologist because, though it was better, it was still really bad. I was still having severe cramps. The length and heaviness of my period uh, decreased exponentially, but there was still some things that needed to be fixed. I just wanted to make sure I was taking care of myself. She didn't find anything obviously wrong, so assumed it was some sort of hormone imbalance. So I went on natural hormonal balancing supplements, they weren't doing anything. They actually made my anxiety really bad, but my doctor said that that was, I guess, not impossible, but she's like, oh no, that doesn't make sense. If anything, they would help ease anxiety. But obviously, something was going on with my body and it happened right when I took it, so I just decided to take less, and then slowly after like a year or two, I just kind of gave up and stopped taking them and decided to find a new approach. This is now up to about a year ago. Like six or seven months ago, I decided to begin connecting with my body and changing the way I viewed periods so that I could reprogram my body's response to them. I also started to send Reiki energy to my womb regularly so I could help really integrate the new narratives that I was reprogramming to. I would go into a meditative state and sit with the idea of a pain-free, cleansing, rejuvenating period. I would hold my womb, like, every day, multiple times a day, and just talk to it, you know, open up that conversation more, just telling it it was doing a good job and that I loved it and I was there for it. (laughs) I started drinking raspberry leaf tea every day at the recommendation of a friend of mine, which is good for the menstrual cycle, so I just had it on my mind a lot, you know? I was doing things to try to really just support it and work in harmony with it. The next period I had after doing this, after starting this, was completely pain-free. I'm not joking. I didn't have to take any pain medication. I was fully functioning. It was an absolute godsend, I cannot even tell you. Like, night and day. I felt like I had tapped into some damn magical something. It was incredible. Then each following period after that was the same. It was easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. (laughs) It was so nice. Fast forward to last month. It took a dip and I was back to a very painful period. I've had a very rough year and started to put my body and well-being to the side. I had a feeling I was going to revert back to old body functioning, which also probably brought that to me. I totally just, like, surrendered to it subconsciously and sure enough, I was hit with a really bad period. So, this last month, I've been back to prioritizing my practice so that I can... Be back on track with my pain-free stuff. My next period is supposed to start on actually any day now, so we'll see. Hopefully it's better. (laughs) When we have cramps, it can be a sign to calm down and tune into yourself. Anytime there is discomfort in the body, there is a message there. And when we work with our bodies, rather than against them and shaming them whenever we feel pain or discomfort, we foster a partnership and understanding with with them, which allows us to continue working in harmony with them. So anytime you feel discomfort, just kind of assess what that part of your body has to tell you. What does it need? What narrative is stored there? What needs to be changed? What needs to be adjusted? You know, what can you do? Connecting to your menstrual cycle and understanding what your uterus and ovaries need from you is a very personal experience that allows you to tap into yourself on a much deeper level. It's such a powerful form of self-love, self-care, and connecting to intuition. I cannot tell you. It is so good. I understand that not everyone with severe periods will be magically able to change them by talking to their womb, but honestly, it is worth a shot and may help alleviate even a little bit of discomfort or a little bit of uh, feelings of, like, disconnection or fighting against it, you know? There's a concept I've heard a few times that compares our menstrual cycle, so the entire 21 to 35-ish or so days from beginning of one period to beginning of next, to the seasons. So, for example, my cycle from about day one to three is like winter. My periods last about three to four days, so this is about the whole time I'm on my period. Things need to be at a standstill, and as such, this is the time I need to rest the most and really take care of myself. It's a time to reset, comfort myself, kind of hibernate from the world a little bit more than usual. Spring then starts and goes from about day four to day twelve. This is where I'm becoming more and more present and grounded in my body. My skin clears up. I am motivated, taking action, but still a bit reflective and introspective. Summer then goes from about day 13 to 20. I'm very active, moving, excited, full of energy. This is my favorite time. (laughs) Then I fall into autumn from day 21 to about day 28-ish, just until my next period begins. This is a difficult time for me, um, which is also true for that time of year, honestly. Things start surfacing here. I'm a little more emotional. This is a time of change, growth, self-reflection, tying loose ends. But it's also a little draining and vulnerable. I try to keep things calm and smooth this time of my cycle, getting plenty of sleep, eating enough, getting my outside yoga time. My appetite usually increases around here, so I just try to kind of, you know, keep my body functioning as it needs to. It may be worth reflecting or keeping track of how you're feeling at various points of the month to get an idea of when your seasons happen, as it can be different for everyone. I know there are some period apps that track emotions, cravings, urges, and such, so you can even use that just to kind of build your framework and see where you fall. This practice also goes for my friends that don't menstruate. You can keep track of your own seasons and cycles, perhaps matching them to the phases of the moon to be receptive to her energy, or you can just be on your own schedule. To explain this further, I'm going to base off of my cycle, but again, this is all just a suggestion and you may operate differently. Take what resonates, leave what doesn't, or switch things around. Focus on just one season. Whatever. Just listen to your body and how it naturally operates, but I'm going to use my body as the example. Perhaps during the full or new moon, take a few days to experience your winter. So try to prioritize rest and self-care, go inward, do things that make you happy and connect you with yourself, scrapbook, read a book, make your favorite meal, draw, sit in your backyard, be alone with you and tune into your body. Take a bath, cleanse yourself and your space. This could be your like monthly time to just cleanse. This also applies for my menstruating friends. You can also incorporate these things into each of, or yeah, into this winter season. Reflect on what you could be doing more of, less of, what you should be making more space for, etc. If you are menstruating and feeling adventurous, perhaps give your blood to the earth as an offering or mix it with water and fertilize your plants. You can get into those like ancient time practices. (laughs) I know some people even use it to paint or you can make a face mask with it. So if you're into it, go for it. This would be a good time just to kind of, you know, go inside yourself and really connect to that feminine energy. femininity. (laughs) After a few days, move on to spring. Create, explore, reflect, plan, start new things. Then we move into summer. So if you started this cycle, let's say on the new moon, then your summertime will fall around like a few days before the full moon and then go past it. Or vice versa. If you started at the full moon, this would be a few days before the new moon and then going after it. So during summertime, get through your to-do list, socialize, connect to others, explore. This is a time of being in action. About a week later, go into autumn. Finish things up, slow down, reflect, journal, get organized, take a bath. Then we go back into winter in hibernation mode, and then the cycle continues. Again, observe your own cycles, trust your intuition, and cut and paste as needed. Tuning into the natural seasons of your body is very beneficial to ensure you are supporting yourself, staying grounded, and really showing up in the best way you can for you and others. I've also noticed that connecting to my body's seasons has eased a majority of the discomfort I experience mentally, emotionally, and physically just during my entire menstruation cycle because I'm actually meeting my body where it is. And it's not having to fight for my attention to share its wisdom and needs with me. You know, it's like I kind of understand where it's going, what it needs. And instead of being like, oh, screw this, I have all this work to do. I know not to plan a bunch of work during my autumn or winter time. (laughs) I know to take it easy and perhaps take a day off at that point. Another way to connect to the womb and menstruation is to get a red crystal to connect to your blood or even do a meditation in which you connect to the feminine energies of your ancestors while you are bleeding. If you don't menstruate, perhaps do this at the time of your winter or the full moon or new moon phase, depending on which you correlate that with and keep the red crystal with you to remind you to stay connected and in tune with your womb. And then, again, you can also call in your feminine ancestors, the feminine energy from them and just kind of, you know, have them with you during that time. Now we're going to jump into menopause. This is not something I have experienced yet. My grandma had a hysterectomy when she was in her 30s and she would talk to me a lot about going into early menopause. My mom is currently in. Pre-menopause, so this section is all kind of more drawing upon discussions, uh, research, and intuition. (laughs) With menopause typically comes a big shift, obviously. We navigate the world differently. We are typically, but not always, at an age where if we had children, they are grown and we are able to experience life to our own accord rather than as a set role to others. We have the freedom to begin exploring ourselves again, coming to an understanding of who we are and what we like. Sometimes this prompts a midlife crisis of sorts, and we seek great aligned change in accordance with all the great aligned changes happening in our bodies. It's almost like a redo or reversal of puberty, where you are like awakening into your body in a very deep way, just as you do in puberty, but it's like, I don't know, going back into a child like part. As a child, we are often very sure and confident about who we are, what we like, all that stuff, Then as we age and our consciousness and awareness begins expanding out to others and what roles we play within various environments, we begin to grow an ego, which causes a lot of confusion and a lot of self-esteem weirdness and all this stuff. Our bodies are also kind of changing during this process as we figure out where we fit into the world and stuff like that. As we reach menopause, we go through a very similar confusion, vulnerability, emotional roller coaster as we squeeze back into that like almost original way of being. It's a deeper, like, I don't know, more connected with yourself, but also connected with your environment. It's like finding harmony in both of them in a way that wasn't available during childhood, but also kind of was. You know, there's like a childness to it, but also this nice wisdom. It can be an incredible time of standing in your power, seeing yourself for who you are, and begin focusing on really cultivating that to share with the world. In that can come grief and confusion. But as we honor ourselves and allow old narratives and ways of being to die with this old version of us, we come into a beautiful rebirth of this childness and wisdom. As our hormones shift, we may become more emotional. This allows you to draw attention to what bothers you, what personal behaviors you'd like to change, what narratives need to be adjusted, what boundaries need to be uh, set. You know, it puts a microscope on ourselves and everything around us to help push this change. If it's difficult to do this alone, seek a therapist, prioritize self-care and self-love, join a supportive community, keep a dream journal to keep in touch with your subconscious, You ultimately know yourself best, so prioritize getting to know you, especially at this point of life. You must prioritize you. Menopause is a great spiritual, physical, mental, emotional journey, not a curse. It does not happen by mistake. It is not here to cause damage to us. There is so much magic and power within it when we look for it, you know, and really use it and try to Uh, like, fully just sit and embrace it. Again, I haven't gone through this, so I understand it's probably much easier said than done, but it's just something to kind of keep in mind, you know, as you go through the process. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we'll be back and kind of wrap everything up. (music) All right, I hope that gives you a better understanding of the power of the divine feminine, the yin, and ways to go about connecting with that energy. Since it's a more internal, intuitive, deep type of energy, it's definitely one where you kind of connect to it, sit in it, and then it's kind of like automatically in action. You know, it's like it awakens within you, you keep fostering that connection, and then it just naturally begins shifting the way you operate in the world in a really beautiful, deep, nourishing way. Unlike masculine energy, you don't need to take action, you don't need to fight. There's a concept in Taoism called wu wei, which means inaction or no action. Not in action, but inaction, like one word. <laughs> it essentially speaks to solely taking action in a way. That is effortless and natural. By not trying, you just do. Water is a big symbol of this in Taoism. It is incredibly soft and gentle, yet it has the power to break down some of the toughest materials. It just is and flows with ease and moves when it is moved. And within that, it can either be the most gentlest thing or the most powerful thing. Same concept with... uh, that quote that I said in the beginning, how nature doesn't rush but everything is accomplished, you know? It's just taking inspired action, going with the flow, being malleable, and just filling in where feels nice, you know? This is a topic that I can honestly go on and on about, (laughs) hence the length of this episode. I feel like this is definitely going to be a longer one and partly why it took me so long to kind of get my thoughts together to record it. But I hope it begins sparking some curiosities within you. Thank you so much for your patience and support. I'm sending you so much love. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and rest of your week. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at Channel with Amber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time!